0: Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host Gavin Jackson and this episode was recorded on February 19, 2021 for my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of this information in the podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features an in-depth look at how the House sent the so-called fetal harpy bill to the governor's desk for his signature. And it is a long section, but we want to give you as much information as possible about how this process works, especially for such big legislation. We also learn more about vaccine delays facing the country and hear about nationwide COVID trends and what the latest situation is in South Carolina. Additionally, we want to hear your stories. So we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your daily life in these uncertain times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, Maybe you've been vaccinated. Maybe you are experiencing some delays from the vaccine. Uh, Maybe you've been testing negative back to back to back. Good job. (laughs) Let us know. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained according to Department of Health and Environmental Control data. There have been 7,325 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 432,780 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 19th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 8.7%. There are 1,122 patients hospitalized with COVID-19, 265 are in intensive care, and 151 are on ventilators. Despite several days of sub-1,000 cases this week, the state remains at the top of the national ranking of new cases per 100,000, according to a weekly White House Coronavirus Task Force report. We're 6th in test positivity, 7th in hospital admissions, and 13th in new deaths per 100,000. Now, when we look at county rankings based on new cases and test positivity, we have some good news. Richland County joins Newberry County as the only two in the yellow zone. 14 counties are in the orange zone, and 30 are in the red zone, according to the Coronavirus Task Force report. So let's keep seeing these numbers shift. On the vaccine front, 710,419 doses have been administered in the state, and nearly all the long-term care facility residents have received their second shot, with 3,000 remaining out of the 26,500 that received their first dose. Now currently, there are 474,000 appointments that are scheduled in the state. So I was clicking around on Twitter like I do every day. I'm addicted. It's a horrible place. But I did see a great reminder from Dr. Zach Kiker. And he tweeted that if the goal is more people taking the vaccine, that's what it feels to me, we are dramatically underselling it. 10 days after you've completed both doses of the mRNA vaccines, your risk of hospitalization slash death from COVID is essentially zero. Why aren't we talking about this more? And that's coming from the Medical Director of Emergency Medicine at Prisma Health Baptist Park Ridge. Well, Doctor Zach, we're talking about it. Here we go. We just mentioned it. Get your vaccine. So this is a big section. I know that. Here we are, week six of the 18-week legislative session, and it's concluded with a major legislative victory for Republicans, with the passage of Senate Bill 1, known as the Fetal Heartbeat Bill, that outlaws nearly all abortions in the state, with exceptions for the life of the mother, fetal-fatal anomaly, rape, and incest, with the latter two requiring an abortion doctor to notify the county sheriff of the alleged sexual assault. So this was a moment some 30 years in the making. Legislative sessions have come and gone, but they have never gone as far as this when they got this bill signed into the law by the governor on Thursday. However, it's already being challenged in federal court. U.S. District Court Judge Mary Geiger Lewis granted a 14-day temporary restraining order blocking the abortion ban. Friend of the pod Jamie Lovegrove reports that it will be renewed ahead of a March 9th hearing. But let's recap the events leading up to that in the House, where a key vote took place on Wednesday. Before our debate got going on Wednesday, House Democratic leader Todd Rutherford took to the well of the House to announce that nearly all of his 43 fellow Democrats would not be participating in the debate, saying other pressing issues such as the pandemic should take priority over a constitutional challenge to abortion law.
1: 8,000 people in this state have died because of COVID-19. And yet in this very body, we serve with people that believe that the government should not make people wear masks, it's a form of mind control. They don't want the government to tell them what to do with their health care. Yet we sit here today proclaiming life. A Senate bill which is number one, and for those of you that don't know, number one means that was the first bill up, the first bill they dealt with. Not 8,000 deaths, not 1,200 deaths because of opioids, but the fetal heartbeat bill. The Democratic caucus is here to proclaim that we are tired of it, that we are tired of the hypocrisy, that we care about life until death, that we care about birth, we care about life We care about people eating, people not dying because they can't get vaccines, people not dying because they can't get tests, people not dying after they're born. We don't believe that life begins when science says it does not, and we more firmly believe that we are here to take care of people. I believe it's somewhere in the Bible that states that, judge ye not by your words but by your actions. And as we look at S-1, we can't help but wonder whether we're reading the same text. We can't help but wonder when we look at 8,000 deaths and 1,200 deaths, whether we are being mindful of our own actions. And Mr. Speaker, for that reason, the Democratic caucus will not be with
0: you today. Lone Democrat Russell Ott of St. Matthews, however, stayed behind and spoke on several of his amendments, which were shot down by Republicans. Uh, later voted for the bill.
1: So I will not get out of the way of this train as fast as it may be coming towards us. But I do believe we can make this bill better and I would ask for your consideration on these amendments. I understand where this is going and I understand what the vote's going to be, but I ask you to search your conscience. I ask you to search your conscience and truly ask yourself, is this the best we can do? Because although I am a pro-life democrat i'm a pro-life democrat for the whole life of the child so i will be offering amendments that i think speak to that and i don't think the bill as it's currently written does as much as it can do
0: it wasn't only democrats amendments getting shot down but also republicans why so it could get to the governor faster if a bill is amended after passing one chamber in this case the senate It would need to go back to that chamber for members to either concur or reject the amended bill, which could lead to a conference committee, which hashes out a compromise, which takes time. And with the new supermajority in the Senate, which made this law possible in the first place after they picked up two seats in November, no one wanted to see that, even if it was from a fellow Republican. Representative Jonathan Hill, a far right Republican from Townville, attempted to remove the exception for rape and incest, which would have been a huge deal breaker for the bill. The move was rejected. The House then moved to vote on the bill, but instead, cloture was invoked, which gives each side an hour to speak for and against the bill. Hill then took to the well for a winding speech about population control, including that of minorities. He ended up by giving a little state of play. Folks, we're not championing the pro-life cause.
2: And when we put forward a bill and when we rush it
0: through and when we
2: exclude debate and we exclude amendments, and I'll confess some of, I didn't get... Some of my amendments on the desk fast enough, and uh, and I thought some other people here on both sides of the aisle were going to have amendments that they then subsequently withdrew unexpectedly, and so we've we've shut out all opportunity for actually having a vote in this body today on whether we want to allow rape and incest exceptions, and so you're forced into the situation, and I'm forced into the situation of either vote for the bill as is or oppose it.
0: Yes. Forced into a situation indeed. Hill later abstained on the vote. But he was not finished. 20 minutes later, Hill, furious that he couldn't introduce his amendments, walked out of the chamber, throwing those amendments on the ground, and then over his head as he walked down the center aisle, drawing booze from his colleagues. And if you haven't seen the video from friend of the pod, Mayan Schechter, it's on Twitter, check it out. She said it was the craziest thing she'd ever seen. I was right there, but I was looking at my phone, missed the whole thing. She got the video. Check it out on Twitter for the full effect. But House Speaker Jay Lucas condemned the childish act.
2: We are a legislative body. We have debate. We listen to Ms. Cobb-Hunter. We listen to Ms. Johnson, who made an eloquent speech. We are not children. We do not throw tantrums when we lose. Ms. Cobb-Hunter can attest to that more than anybody else. She has lost, but I have never seen her act like that, Ms. Cobb-Hunter.
0: Now, be aware that Hill is no longer a part of the Republican caucus in the House and has few allies in the chamber. There were no plans to censure or expel him for his actions, but later he was forced to return to the chamber. More on that in a moment. Speeches continued for and against the bill, including one passionate speech from Aiken Republican Melissa Oremus, who shared her own experience of getting pregnant at 16 and choosing to keep the baby. This is about three minutes long and emotional, but it illustrates the challenge many women face.
3: But when we talk about a woman's right to choose, why don't you actually ask a woman who has been there? As I hear the applause and the grand standing outside, I'm actually just appalled. I thought the change was made in here. I thought that is why we drove to Columbia every day, so we could make that change. So maybe from my perspective, you can understand that I've been there like so many other young girls. When I was in high school, I was at the top of my class, doing what teenagers do, maybe had a little fun one night, too much, and uh, found myself with child. I didn't know who to tell, I didn't know who I could turn to, I just know I was 16. I was raised by a single mom raising three kids on one income, and the last thing she needed was another mouth to feed. All my friends that were you know, around me said, have an abortion. My child's father even said, have an abortion. When are you gonna take care of that? When are you gonna fix that problem? So I struggled for two months before I said anything to anyone. People noticed I was throwing up a lot and had morning sickness and I just chalked it up to a virus. Finally, I got the nerve to tell my mom what was going on. Luckily, she never said those words to me, go have an abortion. She said, what are you going to do? This is your issue. This is your problem. How are you going to handle this? Are you going to quit school, get a job? Guys, I'm at the top of my class. I have everything going for me. You know, for somebody that's poor to middle class, having good grades is all you have so you can go to college because I couldn't afford it. So through a lot of prayer, and thank God I had that in my life, or some, some young people do not, I went to that first ultrasound appointment, and no, I was not wanded or some archaic thing like Mr. Bamberg showed you is what women have. I had the normal one where it rubs across your belly, and I heard that little sound that you hear, that fast, 150-beat-a-minute little sound, a whipping noise. That sound to me was proved to me that I had a human being inside of me. A human being that we so much talk about life. What is life? If it's that sound, it was the most beautiful sound to me.
0: So the two hours of speeches wrapped up and the House moved to take its key second reading vote. But before that, Democratic Representative John King rose and asked for the bill to be read in its entirety, Something guaranteed by the Constitution, but rarely requested because it takes a while. Kind of like me reading a whole podcast script. With Hill still out of the chamber, watching from his office, and King's request pending, the archaic House Rule 3.9 was invoked by Republican leader Gary simrell What is House Rule 3.9? Well, it requires in part that any member absent and without leave must be brought to the chamber by the sergeant-at-arms. The outer doors of the chamber were then closed... Members weren't allowed to leave the second floor of the House, and after a roll call vote to determine who was absent, Speaker Lucas enforced the rule.
4: All right, Sergeant.
2: Sergeant, you got a list
0: of the members who don't have leave.
2: All right. All right, all members are to stand at ease until the sergeant goes out
0: and retrieves those members who don't have leave. The doors will be locked. All right, at this point, things are obviously a little crazy in the House. We had the Democrats walk out. And later, walk back in to give speeches and vote against the bill. We had a temper tantrum and a flurry of papers. Then, this House of Cards slash Veep moment, however you want to describe it, took place. There were 13 members who were absent, but of course, the focus was on Representative Hill, who then decided to leave his office on State House grounds and head back to the chamber. He got there and was told that he didn't have to go back in because he wasn't in violation of the rule. I know because I caught up with him afterwards. But he later went back in anyway, and the rule was rescinded. House members then voted 79 to 35, largely along party lines, to pass the bill. A final procedural vote, also known as third reading, took place Thursday, with the bill passing by a similar margin. But this time, instead of Democrats holding a press conference in the lobby, it was a crowd of supporters and Republican lawmakers gathered for the bill signing. The bill was walked over from the House to the Senate to be ratified, in a showy display that usually takes place in the Senate president's office. And then the signing was set for 1230. It was delayed for nearly an hour while the Senate continued debating a COVID liability bill. Eventually, the governor appeared and the event began, with the Senate, which could have taken a recess, still in session. Though Berkeley Senator Larry Grooms, who sponsored S-1, was present.
1: Today! In just a few moments, we're about to do something that I spent a quarter of a century to do, and that is to shut down the abortion industry in this state. Too many times there's been friction between these two bodies, but on this, we're united. On this, we stand together. On this, we will give our unborn citizens the protection, legal protections. God has given them life. We will now offer them the legal protections. We stand here today. United as one South Carolina behind a pro-life governor who's about to pull that pen out.
0: So again, 30 years in the making, big production here, zoomed through the Senate and the House, signed by the governor. And abortions were halted in the state as of the governor's signing of the law. They were halted for all of one day, that is, until Friday when U.S. District Court Judge Mary Geiger-Lewis in Columbia granted a 14-day restraining order starting what is expected to be a years-long process for the law. Meanwhile, abortions can continue as planned in the state. You may remember Senator Sandy Sin saying that no babies, technically embryos at six weeks, will be saved because of this bill. Only taxpayer money will be spent defending it. Remember, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, and federal law supersedes state law, such as the fetal heartbeat bill which Planned Parenthood South Atlantic and the Women's Clinic of Greenville say is in violation of Roe. I'll have more of a national perspective for you on this law on Tuesday. And as we wrap up this very long politics section, I wanna give a shout out to Patrick Warren, who on Twitter said, "SC Lead Pod is gonna be lit. Yes, thank you, sir. And as you know, we are always lit. Indeed, we are so lit today that we had to skip our business section because our politics section was just so lit. So we don't have a business section, but we do have some medical business to talk about. I want to lead off with critical news about the delays in vaccine shipments affecting the entire country. Andy Slavitt, the White House Senior Advisor for COVID, gave this update on Friday.
5: As of now, we have a backlog of about six million doses due to the weather. All 50 states have been impacted. The six million doses represents about three days of delayed shipping. And many states have been able to cover some of this delay with existing inventory. So let me first walk you through the situation and then tell you how we, as an entire nation, we'll have to pull together to get back on track. There are three places along the distribution chain that have been impacted by the weather. First, FedEx, UPS, and McKesson, our logistics and distribution teams, have all faced challenges as workers have been snowed in and unable to get to work to package and ship the vaccines, kits, and the required diluent. Second, Road closures have held up delivery of vaccines at different points in the distribution process, between manufacturing sites to distribution and to shipping hubs. Third, more than 2,000 vaccine sites are located in areas with power outages, so they're currently unable to receive doses. General Perna's guidance to the team was to ensure safety of personnel preservation of the vaccines and supplies, and constant communication with the states. Because of 72-hour cold chain constraints, we don't want to ship doses to those locations and have them sitting at a site where they might expire. So the vaccines are sitting safe and sound in our factories and hubs, ready to be shipped out as soon as the weather allows. Now, as weather conditions improve, we're already working to clear this backlog. 1.4 million doses are already in transit today. And we anticipate that all the backlog doses will be delivered within the next week, with most being delivered within the next several days. And we expect we will be able to manage both this backlog and the new production coming online next week.
0: So that 6 million dose backlog is slowly getting cleared and should be completely distributed within the coming days, along with additional supply. Continuing our nationwide look, trends continue to be moving in the right direction, as well as in South Carolina. Johns Hopkins University's Dr. Brian Garibaldi gave this update during the weekly call from the university's Coronavirus Resource Center on Friday.
4: So I think we should be encouraged. You know, this is, it's hard to believe, but this is the first time we've been below 80,000 cases since Halloween. It's been a really long four months, but I think we, we have seen cases coming down. I think this is a real phenomenon. Uh, with that, we've seen the hospitalizations come down and, and deaths have started to come down. And, and I think that's a, a reflection. It's it's probably too early for this to be a reflection of the vaccines taking effect widely. So this is a, a reflection of what we can do when we have you know consistent messaging when people are, you know, taking heed of the advice to wear masks and be socially distanced and being responsible in their activities. Um, and that leads to real benefits in terms of the the active transmission. I do think we need to remember that even though we should be very happy with these numbers, they're still way, way above where we should be and where we could be if we continue to work together uh, to try to get things under control. You know, we, we've heard a lot of things in the media uh, over the last week, even about the possibility that some of these variants might make vaccines less effective. And, and while, um, you know, I think we, we need to learn more about what the implications of these variants could be for the vaccine effectiveness, um, it's an important reminder that we need, to, we need to continue to be vigilant and get things under control. But I think we also need to be hopeful. You know, I'm, I'm working here at our hospital. This is the first time in months where the ICU where I'm now currently working is not a dedicated COVID ICU. And, and I think that that's a real reflection of, of the benefits that we've made over the last several weeks.
0: Dr. Bill Moss, director of the International Vaccine Access Center, gave an outlook on vaccines and reiterated what President Joe Biden said about the 300 million doses that will be available by July. But the real increase in
6: doses that we're going to see over the coming months, and this is what President Biden was referring to, um, we are expecting that uh, Pfizer and Moderna will each provide about 300 million doses. So that's a total of 600 million doses by July. And and that was the deadline that uh, President Biden said when these doses would be available. Um, that's obviously enough to vaccinate 300 million Americans. So the vast majority of Americans, so, But it is, as he noted in his uh, town hall, that it's still going to take some time to get those doses into people. Now, further uh, uh, supplanting or uh, further adding to that supply, uh, we are expecting an emergency use authorization on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. That's an adenovirus uh, vectored vaccine. Um, w- there will be a, a, a hearing on February 26th. And so we expect um, that there will be an emergency use authorization in the week or two following that. So that's gonna bring an additional uh- uh, supply of vaccine doses to the United States, and then down the line, maybe in, in another in, in a couple of months, we'll see the AstraZeneca and Novavax vaccines also receiving emergency use authorization in the United States. So we will, in the coming months, have sufficient number of doses to vaccinate all those who need or want uh, to be vaccinated in the United States. Then the issues are going to change. They're going to be certainly the delivery issues, getting those doses into people. And then dealing with the uh, the mistrust and hesitancy,
0: and trying to build that that confidence in the vaccine. Dr. Moss also said that there are increasing reports that there may be higher levels of protection after a single dose of the vaccine. But should the first dose be more of a priority now that we know efficacy rates are stronger than first reported? Moss explains.
6: Obviously. What we know best about these vaccines comes from the large phase three trials in which uh, uh, participants received two doses at very specified time periods. And that's where kind of our best information On on uh, the effective uh, efficacy of these vaccines comes from, but but it's correct. We are learning more about you know the potential protective uh, efficacy of a single dose. You know we've we've there's been excitement about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine because it was promoted as a single dose, but that had 72% efficacy uh, you know in the United States, Um, and so it looks like with some of the recent evidence, if it holds up, that the protective efficacy. of a a Pfizer vaccine may be even higher than that after a single dose. So, uh, you know, I will commit. Um, So I I do think we should be emphasizing a single dose into more people, given the efficacy that we're seeing. Uh, We don't yet have CDC guidelines on that. So I'll recognize that. But I'm in the camp that getting um, more first doses into people um, and, you know, potentially I, I think people should get their second dose. Um, but delaying that that second dose, I don't think that'll have a, a big impact. So I'm uh, I'm on the side of getting more first doses into people um, and, and waiting on those second dose.
0: And just a reminder that if you did have an appointment for a second shot, get bumped, canceled or rescheduled, it's okay. You have plenty of time to get that shot uh, just because it falls outside of that four week, three week window. And as we head out, On Tuesday, the White House told governors that the weekly vaccine supply to states will be increasing by more than 20%. The amount going to pharmacies will double to 2 million. And remember what Dr. Kiker said once you are fully vaccinated, your risk of hospitalization slash death from COVID is essentially zero. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. Ah, really needed after that one. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us if you've gotten the shot, how your experience is going with it, any side effects. uh, If you're still working, how school's going, spring break plans, Cancun, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what the weather's like in Cancun. Mm. Ah. I bet Is you. Is it cold down there? I bet I don't you it's know. warm. I bet you it's really know. warm in Cancun. Yeah, I was only there for a little bit a long time ago, but <laughs> I remember being warm. Anyhow, <laughs> At, I uh, people have probably seen our 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 meme our Bank dank memes yeah. on our Instagram account and saw that I referenced something in that meme. Mm, yes, nice. uh, the it record
2: was, w- <laughs> there. There's there's a reckoning. <laughs> Uh, mm. for records being set straight today. Mm. So we've got a little battle on our hands. Mm. Um, we've gotten a call of someone who, who's a huge Gavin fangirl. And, I mean, she called us both handsome. Yes. Sure. Take okay. it. I'll take it. We'll both I'm, take I'm it. I'm not going to argue with someone doing that, right? Hey, whatever. But then, then someone who will not be named, well, his name's Logan. He lived in my basement. Oh, um, he called in to try and set that record straight. Well, we got another call from our fangirl.
0: This is like his record setting straight, straight. I okay? feel like I'm on reality television. I think yes. I'm saying that correctly. that This is Where's like reality Andy television. Cohen? Where's
2: Andy Cohen? We got to get to the bottom of this. This is so, how the drama starts. This is how it starts. We're going to be Real Housewives of Leeds soon enough.
0: Oh, my God. Well, let's try and put an end to it before it starts.
2: Oh, I think this might just be the beginning. But <laughs> oh, no. I digress. Here is our call.
7: Um, hi, Gavin and AT. This is um Gavin, AP Fangirl, calling from Rock Hill again. Um, I'm probably not supposed to be doing this, so I'm going to keep it really short. I'm just responding to Logan a few weeks ago who said he was fact-checking my phone call in, and I love that he did that, and I love you, Logan, because you are a live-life leader. Um But what I want to say is that if you... Number one, you messed it up because I'm from Rock Hill. Number two, if you want to be empirical about the data that I left, I was only making an observation that Gavin and AT are very good looking. Um, You were going on a scale of 0 to 10, I'm assuming, but you didn't say what your scale was like based on. So I'm just going to say that if you want to be empirical about it, which is good because people who have never seen Gavin and AT probably need empirical data, then I would say that if um, Jesse Spencer from Chicago, I think he's Chicago MD, BR, um, is about roughly a 7 on a scale of 0 to 10, then Gavin is also definitely a 7. But because you gave extra points for other things, Gavin gets extra points. You said golf skills. I'm going to say intelligence, yes, personality, yes. Cooking skills, <clears throat> they're extra good, and women love that. AT, I would put him on a scale of zero to 10. If Rob Lowe was an eight, AT would be a seven. But, again, AT gets extra points because of his golf skills, his intelligence, and his, you know, personality, and also cooking Um But then A.T. would probably actually come out just a tad ahead for me because he likes movies better than books, so do I. I'm going to recommend um, an HBO Max, or no, not HBO Max, I think it's uh, one of the other ones, it's streaming, it's called His Dark Materials. Watch it, A.T., you will love it. Um, So there you go, both the guys come out a 10 on a scale of 0 to 10 with that criteria. And now... Logan, the dog is in your court. Bye!
0: Uh, I love that uh, she's still not telling us her name but going by fangirl. There's her name. That's great. Love it. Uh, Wonderful. The the empirical data, like uh, we are getting... Irrefutable. We're getting, I mean we're getting scientific science, air. Science and math bears all of that out. Um, I was glad that she finally got us to both being tens because when she said that you edged me out a little bit, I was yeah, just about to yeah, throw the yeah. whole thing out the window. <laughs> She's about to get canceled. Storm out and have like flashbacks <laughs> to my childhood as a twin, you know, you're always competing a little bit. I did I did get Rob Lowe and you didn't. Yeah, so there's yeah, that. I'm assuming yeah. this other doctor she referred to was pretty equally mixed sure. steamy or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was just like such a. I mean, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Fangirl from Rock Hill. I just I feel mean you. Absolutely, awkward about it, <laughs> you dragged Logan. He looks like an idiot. Now. I know. Right. And, uh, so I think foolish. it's safe
2: to say that he probably should never show his face around here. I mean, you again. definitely edged me out when it comes to cooking skills. I'll give you that one hundred percent. Gavin about jumped through the ceiling when you said <laughs> he was good at cooking because uh,
0: <laughs> he knows that's not true. I know. I was loving it. I was like, yes. I can put something together. I can make it look good, but not as good mm. as you do. Well it's funny because I was reading something about, you know, something was someone was talking about Miami, not Cancun. They were talking about Miami. Mm-hmm. But if you're you know, if you think you're like a ten, well mm. go to Miami and subtract. You're a Miami six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's
0: like, ooh.
5: And, hey, I would, and I
0: would say that kind of uh, weighted scale also takes effect uh for places like Charleston too. Charleston? You can be a Columbia mm. eight and be a Charleston. Six and a
2: half. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I think she is right though. That that my, uh, my personality does a lot of heavy lifting in my rating. <laughs> you gotta like really hot takes, um, and and sci-fi. You know, we books. should bring
0: your wife in on this, Caitlin, Caitlin,
2: Caitlin. <laughs> she, she will absolutely degrade me and say that Gavin is is the most handsome man in the world because.
0: uh well, uh, she's just bored. I don't <laughs> want to create any more drama here until next so season my drama. until next <clears throat> season. The next lead housewives
2: <laughs> lead housewives of, of Columbia. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Caitlin's the mean one. <laughs> um, and I guess we'd be a little remiss if we didn't uh, mention our huge lead fan, huge friend of the pod, Meg Kennard, who was recently mm-hmm. diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Meg, we love you. Uh, we stand by you 100%. We know you're going to overcome this, this oh, scourge yeah. that you and so many other women uh, face. And if you um, you didn't see Meg posted about this on Twitter, go check it out. She has a great write-up about the situation she's facing. Uh, and she could definitely use your thoughts, your prayers, any support you can throw her way. Check her out at Meg Canard. Uh, is it Meg Canard AP? It's at, at, at Meg Cunard Cunard AP. AP on Twitter. Yeah. So, and I,
2: and, if, and any listeners worth their salt knows from our our Christmas episode that Meg just got through grad school mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And just so now through, this, done with the
0: trail, all this done other with stuff. the trail,
2: all that stuff. Yeah. And so she, this lady can't catch a break. So Meg, uh, I feel for you. I, I love you. I, I'm sorry this is happening, but I know that you're going to be just fine.
0: Yeah. I told you this, uh, the other day, AP, at and you're just like, Can she she can't you not catch a break? She can't. <laughs> it's, it's like, just, yeah.
2: <laughs> out of the fire into the frying pan or yep. the other way around. I don't know, but Meg, come on, you're going to be fine. Yes. And, uh, Gavin and I will do whatever it takes to 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 help you. If you if you just need to be a guest on the show and just air your grievances. Yes,
0: we'll let you do it. You know. <laughs> I said, you know, we're not gonna complain about it, but like, gee like and then I cursed a bunch. I was like, come on, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna get through this. We're all very optimistic. If anyone and can handle it, it. Oh, yeah. If anyone can handle it, it's makeup. And Kinnard, then I said, yeah. once she gets through all this, like, watch out, world, because if you get in that woman's way, like the illustrious Meg it I Kinnard. mean like she'll just chew you up and spit you out so mm-hmm. gf spit you out uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right take it out these people have had enough <laughs> yeah oh my god
0: if you uh were... have a good weekend everybody. i mean but we can say uh, officially even without even incorporating personality smarts mm. all that matt Cunard is a 10 10 and, Solid I, and ten. Know, we're trying not to rate people because no. you know we're not that we're not that kind of pod. I mean, Room Raider has has but certified
4: it. She's you a 10 in our
0: rooms. I mean, we can yeah. give her empirically a 10 out of 10 so
2: regardless yeah, uh, so they uh, I heard scientists actually calibrate their systems against Meg's 10 because it's so perfectly 10 so <laughs>
0: yes It. Uh, it's, yeah so compared to Meg we are definitely like 3's <laughs> oh yeah Rob Lowe looks like garbage compared to Meg <laughs> did you hear that Rob challenge accepted 803 he's a big listener thanks for listening y'all show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail or a review on iTunes And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, consider becoming an ETV member. Membership starts at just $40, and if you pledge at the $75 level, you get access to PBS Passport and all the great programming your donation helps support. Remember, we still got the No Pledge Drive pledge drive going on. Help us out. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Data, input. (laughs) I put in
2: data. I get answers and sums.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right.